This is Ashley Kalish, and you are listening to Modern Renegades, episode number 82. Welcome to Modern Renegades podcast. This is a life coaching podcast for the person who wants to learn how to lose themselves in the moment, not life circumstances. Each week, we will explore mental and spiritual practices that will inspire you to ask, seek, and heal. They are for the modern renegade. They are for you. Renegades, how are you today? I am doing so good. Well, I am feeling a little fired up. I have been a little fired up. I think if you follow my social media, you've seen, you've heard, you know. I've had a few daily musings, not just a few, like every day. I have something to say. Probably doesn't surprise you that I was one of those kids in school that was always being told to be quiet. And these teachers that were telling me to be quiet were telling my parents to tell me to be quiet, that I was disruptive. And, you know, I don't, <laughs> kind of sucks because I got in so much trouble at home for it. I would get in so much trouble. For, for a family didn't, that didn't really prioritize education in school, sure didn't, did not like the way I was behaving there. They're like, education doesn't really matter. You don't have to go to college. Don't fucking talk back. Don't talk. Oh, yeah. So much trouble. I'm still talking. I'm not shutting up. And for all of you out there, I bet I bet we can all agree, those of us that were talking in class, being told to be quiet, we're still talking. My most recent rant was about this new quote-unquote must-see show on Netflix, Sex Slash Life. I had a few people ask me if I'd watched it. They found it relatable. They want to know if I found it relatable. They said it was sexy. They commented that the narrative around settling and desire was interesting. So I tried. Twice. I didn't make it through the first 10 minutes of episode one before turning it off. It felt so, what do the kids call it these days? Cringy. Yes, cringy. Emotionally stirring is what I'll call it. And after starting it for the second time, it was very anticlimactic. Like, if we're going to watch something for sex, why don't we just watch porn? And what are we doing here? Is there going to be something else? I personally loved some good Skinamax growing up. Like if that was on TV, I was like, oh my God, what is this? I think of the fact that there was a storyline and touching, like I didn't feel weird about it. And I couldn't think versus porn now. I don't watch because my brain is thinking about it too much. And plus, as you all know, my whole ethical positioning on it. So anyway, <laughs> I felt a little pent up. You want to know what's most ironic about that? I said, I was actually getting a full body massage by my lover while I was watching it. And that is not speaking to the massage. Like I was primed, but watching it was like, oh, come on. And then if I really had to describe watching this first episode, if I had to put a, I'll just give my own title to it. I would liken it to masturbating with sandpaper. That's what I would say. But, you know, I reflected more upon it and I felt as a woman, I felt slightly offended. I felt sad and I felt upset for both sexes in this show, a show that had a great opportunity to address some much bigger issues and topics like postpartum depression, 
polyamory and open relationships, safety, therapy, communication in your relationship. And instead, it shows a woman who, with an Ivy League degree, walks away from her career, cries about not being desired and properly fucked while living quite nicely, I might add, in the suburbs. And that's just one problem I had from episode one, the shower scene that I didn't see but have heard all about because, oh my God, his dick was so big. Did you see that? Was that real? It was real. (gasps) And the husband watching sports and not paying attention to his wife. Could we find any more disempowering messages and shameful messaging around men and their roles, the ones that we assume on them? I don't think so. I'm sure we can, but not, not today. Not today. It's just lame. (laughs) I don't want to dismiss how real and painful it can feel and is to be in a sexless marriage or relationship or one where you are finding yourself no longer attracted to your partner and questioning, should I stay or go? I know firsthand from experience what that is like. It can be hard as all get out, especially when you don't have the tools or awareness around your thinking, meaning you're believing everything you're thinking. I mean, I believed that a relationship should have those same sexual components when I was in my early 20s, much like I saw on daytime television then. And I yearned more for more sexually when I was at home with my babies. I remember like this vividly fantasizing about other men sexually thinking that that would actually make me happier. We tend to shut down in these moments and lack the courage to voice what we want, that we want more sex, that we don't feel desired by our partner, that we're unhappy. Instead, we play out the fantasies about someone else wanting us and us being happy, not unlike what you've seen in this show or daytime television. I wish it hadn't taken me this long to discover that my need to have good sex, great sex, and need to feel desired and sexy, and not like a mom or wife, that that pursuit was an endless, insatiable, and never truly fulfilling quest. It's not your fault or mine that we would believe that this is what makes a woman feel whole, like sexy, desired. This is This is daytime TV, HBO, Fifty Shades of Grey, porn. This is what they have all along. Those are the narratives that have been leading and telling us that that's what would make you feel satisfied in this world and that it seems to start and end with her being penetrated. Oh, and having money and being beautiful, right? It's an insatiable tank, my friends, or a tank that has holes in it from being penetrated over and over. You will never fill it up. Being and feeling sensual, sexual, or desire does not come from outside of you. It does not come from getting fucked. It does not come from men or women telling you things about you. It comes from within, from your thoughts about yourself, the energy you embody. No one can make you feel sexy or desired. They can desire you, tell you you are sexy, but think about it. You have to believe them which is the conundrum and why there's an endless quest. Because if you don't already believe that you are desirable, that you are sexy, then you won't when they tell you. And the moment will be as fleeting as the orgasm you get. 
It seems that validation will last a long time, but it doesn't. And you're off looking for the next lay to boost your self-esteem. And then years later, you realize it doesn't matter how sexy and how desirable or how fuckable or how many you fucked. You don't actually feel better about yourself. And then you have to reconcile all of that from within. This messaging that we as women buy into around our worth coming from being sexy and desired, that that is what we want is total horseshit and the biggest scam. And I would have loved to see this couple use the relational tools that are required in any relationship and do the work, get help, go to therapy. But instead, Netflix offers us an Ivy League educated woman crying that she can't come so they can give America some sex scenes because this country is starved for that. And I mean, that's another thing. We have porn, which is poor, hardly realistic portray of sex. And then we have this, more terrible plot lines and cheesy sex, both with messaging that perpetuate and reinforce dated and toxic narratives on gender roles and intimacy. You know, Brad, this whole shower scene is a, is a great example. Brad having a big dick, quote, confirms Cooper's worst fears. This is... This is straight from their script. So dear Netflix in America and anyone else who hasn't gotten the message, a big dick not maketh great sex. This scene only perpetuates the belief that a man's worth and ability to please is measured literally. And it may come as a surprise to you that not all pussies and assholes and other orifices are made for supersized. Not everyone is a size queen. Large dicks don't always feel good, and yet we continue to glamorize girth, which informs those who may be packing less that they're not enough, that they can't please. In the case of this show and conversation, a woman only stays for a good, large, girthy dick. That's what keeps her interested and loyal. That we as women are only as fulfilled as the dick penetrating us. Spoiler alert, big dicks won't keep her coming or keep you with you. As you know, Renegades, I talk about being digmatized. I know chemically what's happening and emotionally, and I get toxic love in relationships. But beyond that, when we all have been through this, beyond that, and the theme of this sex slash life show is a deeper, much more damaging myth being told to the viewers. If you don't have a large dick who pleases your partner, you're not man enough. This pressure for men to perform and please is more fuel to feed the patriarch. It's a disempowering message to both men and women. And we as women want to recognize our role and how we are supporting this message as well. This is why women coming into owning their pleasure as a birthright and being part of the intimate experience, co-creating, not just laying there, moaning loudly for him, but Engaging in, speaking up on behalf of, and owning your orgasms and pleasure is mandatory. I was talking with a friend and he was telling me he's all about big dick now and he won't have anything that isn't big, which I love for him. Again, back to if you're a size queen, get you some. But it turned into a conversation where I was like, well, size is relative, right? Like what is big to you is not big to somebody else. And But how I think it's important that we stop measuring pleasure and glamorizing girth and start accepting and announcing that great dick comes in all sizes. And for the record, I just want to say this is, 
obviously such a heteronormative conversation, but pleasure comes in all forms. I, I don't believe sex is penis in vagina and that pleasure is only achieved in that state. That's another message that we are hopefully starting to dismantle. So like I said, I'm just tired of this shaming of dicks. <laughs> but I am also someone who is here to personally admit and announce I have contributed to these beliefs about it. And I'm examining and reconciling that behavior now. I wasn't aware then, but I'm clear how I was shaming and objectifying men based on their dick size and how hard they could or couldn't make me come. And if they couldn't stay hard and how they would get me off or if they couldn't get me off, if they didn't fuck me properly, plus all the other shit that I expected of men to work and make money and be emotionally available, but not too emotional, all of this shit. I mean, think about it. That's a lot, right? I mean, that's for another episode for sure. I know now that great lovemaking and states of pleasure can be found without a dick or penetration. That P and V isn't the only way to have sex or an orgasm. It's one way, but not the way. I know now that size doesn't matter. That a healthy sex life isn't dependent on his dick and what it can do for me nor is a healthy relationship. It's about your connection with this person, intimacy, knowing yourself, your body, getting to know theirs. And at the end of the day, it's another human being with human parts whose worth should not be measured by. Let's stop reinforcing messages that a man's manhood and worth is his ability to perform and is measured inch by inch. Sex life also manages to bring to life society's Disney-like fantasy of a woman living rich, well taken care of by the hot husband. Does flip the narrative a bit in this instance to show that a woman having desires and fantasies of a past sex life or wanting something that was quote wild and wanting to go out of the marriage, which is a very real life natural thing for a woman to think and do just like men. And we are now hopefully reaching a time where we know women have as many affairs as men I know we haven't reached a time where it's as socially acceptable, but we'll save that also for another episode. This would have been an incredible time, an incredible show to address the topic and to expand on the one thing that most people aren't even questioning, which is a woman walking away from her Ivy League degree. The lack of dialogue around it is disturbing because... There's nothing more commonplace and accepted than a woman giving up her work to stay home. The repercussions and compound effects of a woman that she faces when she walks away from work go well into her retirement. Unfortunately, no one wants to talk about the real statistics of what does happen when a woman gives up working to stay home with children. No one wants to accept the real statistics of divorce. No one wants to consider the facts. Instead, it's a social currency for women to stay home and take care of kids. I don't know that the risk outweighs the reward because I don't know many women who, after their kids have left, don't find themselves wishing they had worked or done something, had something to do. I know many women who would like to leave their relationships and can't because they're financially dependent. I know women who feel lost and without purpose. I know women who have been left and finding it impossible to get back into the workforce. And despite the promises of their then husbands, they are not living the same lifestyles. 
The pandemic has been another alarming event showcasing the lack of support and structure to empower women to work, that men's jobs are more important, that ultimately women are responsible to stay home. I know it isn't the way for everyone, but believe it or not, that is quite the majority. My becoming an entrepreneur at 20 was inspired by this question, what career can I take on that will allow for me to care for my children and make money? It was the first question that crossed my mind the day I found out I was pregnant. I had no degree. I had no experience. The messaging that I'm delivering to my children is not one that you will find on Sex Life or through most of Western culture's media and entertainment. In my opinion, it is a disservice to them and it would be irresponsible. We should be raising our kids to partner with their partners, pursue their passions, to learn how to make and have money to know how to take responsibility for themselves financially, emotionally, and sexually. They need to know how to communicate, not assume gender roles. Talk about postnups, not just prenups. Not to give themselves up for a person or family. That they can work and raise children. I want to encourage any woman out there who struggles with the idea of working and parenting at the same time to read The Feminine Mistake. It isn't easy to manage work and kids and partners and have the life and do all the shit. I, I know personally, but I promise you, it's worth it. The Feminine Mistake shares with you research and real-life stories of what can happen to women who give up their work, why they choose it, and how detrimental it can be over the long haul. But it also shares with you encouraging stories and the upside of doing both. Most of the messages I received from my social media community about sex life were ones of anger disappointment and annoyance. One person shared with me that there was a sex party in one of the episodes and that she felt it was so poorly done. There were no boundaries. There was no safety, nothing like an actual party making open sexual communities look really bad and intimidating. I'm personally not going to watch any more of it. I've <laughs> I'm so disheartened by this 60 minutes that it's just not worth my time. I can understand for entertainment reasons why some people would want to watch it, but I caution you. Observe the roles and behaviors. Ask yourself, is this modern-day relationship narrative one I want to buy into? Are these messages empowering men and women to have a better relationship in sex? Or is this more of the same outdated messaging about gender roles dressed in eroticism? I mean, how is this show serving men and women, empowering people in their sexuality and love and relationships? and motherhood, and work. I'm not seeing it. Now, if you just want to ignore all that and enjoy it for the visual, get after it. Highly into it. Much like I was saying earlier about the size queens, get you some. No shame, y'all. But not at the expense of other people. All right. That's all I got for you this week. Until next week, stay cool because it's fucking hot. I don't know where you are, but it's hot out here. Damn. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Renegades. If you're finding the tools and concepts I'm sharing each week about your brain on dating, you won't want to miss out on working with me one-on-one. -on -one. I've just launched my program, Wake Up Before Another Breakup, and in just eight weeks, you won't question if you can trust yourself to date or why you can't find the one. Head on over to modernrenegades.com forward slash programs to learn more about it and how you can work with me. Let's learn how to lose ourselves in the moment, not the man.